Hello and welcome to When Sky Invented Football, the podcast that thinks it's a fanzine aiming to change the sometimes not so beautiful game one episode at a time. This is an extra bonus feature looking at some of the most radical proposals for the future of football that I think I've ever seen come out of Westminster. Damien Collins MP, former chair of the Digital Culture, Media and Sport Committee, has warned that we may only have a few weeks to save football in this country as we know it. He's written to the Culture Secretary, Oliver Dowden, to the FA and the Football League, calling for a government-backed rescue package for lower league clubs in financial distress to help prevent them following Berry's fate and going out of business. Mr Collins warns, though, that without change in the way football is run, any bailout would be a short-term fix. So he's put forward a six-point plan, which would see these government-backed loans converted into shares, which could then be managed and ultimately owned, either by a local council or supporters. Now, these new shareholders would then have access to real-time accounts, so they could report any financial mismanagement to a newly created Football Finance Authority to ensure that any loan wasn't misspent by, for example, beefing up players' wages. Damien Collins also says the EFL's financial regulations should be set and enforced by this new Football Finance Authority. Like I say, radical stuff. Damien Collins MP joins me now. Hi, Damien. Thank you. Hi there. Good to be with you. You're obviously addressing what you regard as a a very serious situation. How serious? Well, I think the next month could be absolutely crucial for the survival of a number of clubs in Leagues 1 and 2 in particular. And the reason for that is that a lot of these clubs are often quite financially distressed. Um, They don't make a huge amount of money. Um, They rely for their income on people watching in live in stadiums, turning up and watching and paying to see the players play. I mean, unlike the Premier League, uh, to extend the championship, who will get more of their money from TV rights, in the lower leagues, it's from people being able to play. And they're it trapped in a position now where they've got fixed costs, player salaries to play, things like that. Um, but they've not got any income. And in the next few weeks, they would normally get in June the, the start of the receipts for next season's season tickets. And that money is often crucial for clubs in Leagues 1 and League 2 to help see them through the summer until, until the season normally resumes uh, in August, and that money is not going to be there. And the concern I've got is that that many clubs will go into administration because of the, that loss of income. So we've got a, a a rapidly closing window of opportunity to put some scheme in place. Now, in the past, when clubs have been distressed, they find finance from the banks, finance from new owners. Though obviously, in the case of clubs like Berry, sometimes that doesn't work, and they can go they can go bust and be kicked out of the league. But I think it's going to be very difficult to attract that sort of support for clubs now because um, you know how attractive to a new investor would it be to buy a club uh, which is probably already in debt um, that has got lots of fixed costs it can't meet it's got no revenue and it's got no prospect of playing matches in, in front of a you know, half full stadium maybe for the rest of this year and so I think it's going to take the football authorities I think with the support of the government as well to come in and and support these clubs but I also think that if we've got clubs that are in financial distress, coronavirus has brought that to a head. It's not necessarily the cause of it. And therefore, it wouldn't be the right thing, I think, just to give a blank check to clubs. Um, In return for support, there should be much greater oversight about how they spend their money to make sure they're 
operating within the the the, the, the rules of the league, and in particular the um, the rules that cap the amount of money they can spend on players' salaries. From the information that you've been given, and I know you've been chatting to a, a lot of football clubs and are very well connected in the game, can you put a figure on the number of clubs who, if football doesn't resume with paying spectators by the end of this calendar year, how many do you think will go out of business? Well, from what I've been told, I think you know between five and ten clubs, I think that sort of are in immediate risk. Uh, but I think the longer this goes on, the worse that could get. And there are some clubs, I think, who think that, well, they can just furlough um, their staff and wait, wait until the government says that spectators can go back into grounds. But I think many of those clubs, um, you know, it was like being put into a coma. They won't, but they won't wake up from it. Uh, I think, you know, there's also you know, the for people who want to see football come back sooner at, at, at League One level, not just in the Premier League. Um, there are some clubs that can't even find the money to pe- to pay for um, COVID nineteen testing, which is reckoned to be about two hundred thousand pounds per club, um, and you know can't afford to pay to take their their ground staff out of furloughing to reopen you know, training grounds and, and get match get stadiums ready to play matches in even in front of empty stadiums. So I think that gives you an idea of just how financially distressed a lot of these clubs are, and I think it requires leadership now to put this scheme in place because I think. You know, clubs go into administration over the summer. If they can't get themselves out of trouble by the time the season resumes, um, then they'll be out of the league. Just so I'm clear, Damien, uh, are your proposals designed for clubs just at League One and League Two level, or do they also encompass championship clubs? Our focus has been on the Football League because we, we believe that the, the Premier League clubs will be able to you know, sort themselves out. Um, and then particularly if they can uh, negotiate with the broadcasters to keep their TV money. Um, then they should be fine. I think a lot of championship clubs we find, and again, a lot of championship clubs they get quite generous. Um, well, they may not see as generous, but they get compared to other other leagues, you know, the highest amount of support from the Premier League financially. So I think the danger area in particular is leagues leagues one and leagues two. But I think a scheme like this, I think, could be open to to any club um, in the football league to apply to. It wouldn't be compulsory. Um, clubs could seek finance elsewhere if they could find it. Uh, but for clubs that wanted support from this fund, then the the strings attached to it would be accepting that they would come under the oversight of this financial uh, authority for football and that the money would be given in return for a stake in the club, which could then be acquired by the community, as you said in your introduction. Straight away, though, I can hear people saying, well, hold on a minute, as a sport, as a whole, football is very rich. The Premier League generates billions in TV revenues. So if the sport has that much money going into it, why can't it, as a sport, look after the interests of its weaker members, particularly at a time of distress like this? And it's a reasonable question. I mean, it, 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 it's a consequence partly of the structure of sports that, that you know, the Premier League and the Football League are totally separate competitions. So they're not part of, as it was in the old days, you know, a single league structure administered where the Football League administered the first four tiers of football. So the Premier League is a completely separate structure. The money that's in football principally resides in the Premier League. And by the time you get down to leagues, League One and League Two, uh, the clubs are, have relatively little income. Almost all of what they earn goes out the door on players' salaries. Um, they get very little in terms of broadcasting money. And what we what they really are is community assets. And in some ways, coronavirus has really underlined that because 
the, the clubs without their fan base, without their local support are nothing. Without, they can't survive off other forms of revenue. And, um, and that's why they're so distressed. But I think what part of the solution to this problem now should be to say, we need money to help bail these clubs out of the problems they've got themselves into. I think we should think about that because part of the problem has been caused by uh, the conditions of the coronavirus set by the government. So that's restricting their ability to make money to pay their bills. But the other reason it's been caused is because I think a degree of financial mismanagement, which has not seen the clubs put money by for a rainy day, give themselves some sort of security. Uh, they run really on a break-even basis. Many of them really run as loss-making organisations, many reliant on loans and, and uh, grants from their owners. Uh, and that has to change. We have to put it on a more sustainable footing. So I think by providing finance in this way, we could also have a real moment of reform for governance of football clubs. And and I think the reason this is required by a new body and an external body is the Football League has some good rules to try and make sure clubs don't overreach themselves. Uh, and they principally do that by spending too much on players' salaries. The protocol that operates in Leagues 1 and Leagues 2 says that um, they should only spend around 60% of their income on player salaries. But an independent report by Deloitte looking at the accounts of clubs that have been published said they thought it was more like 80 to 90% what they earn, which goes on player salaries. And that's unsustainable for a lot of these clubs. So we've got to ask, why is it that the, the league doesn't have access to proper real-time financial information to really know whether the clubs are trading outside the rules or not and to make sure clubs stay within the rules? And I think if we can do that, you know, it may actually have a deflationary impact on player salaries in Leagues 1 and League 2 or, or be, make clubs more responsible about the size of their squads. Uh, but it would mean that they're being managed more effectively. And I think that if we could achieve that change as well as saving clubs in the short term, then that would be uh, a great reform for football. Have you got any sense of the overall cost to the taxpayer? Our starting point with this was looking at um, was looking at the the money, the lost revenue from season ticket money. So probably for leagues one and leagues two, that might be about combined about seventy, eighty million pounds. Um, you know, the championship would probably you know might be another fifty, sixty million pounds. So I think those those are the sorts of figures. But I mean, some clubs. You know, may also have come into this where the you know the level of financial distress is is greater. You know, would, might require more money than even that. So the Rick Parry at the, at the Football League has said that uh, he thinks the Football League needs around two hundred million pounds. At the moment, my concern is is that there's not a plan to find that money other than a hope or expectation that the pre- that the Premier League will stump the whole lot up. But I'm not sure that they will. I'm sure the Premier League will help. Um, but the Premier League also have to make sure that they can secure the broadcasting money for the broadcasters, even though they're not playing the games as they normally would do. They're not they're paying them behind closed doors and in a more concentrated period. So if they can secure their broadcasting revenue money. They will have a bit more money to help, but that's not guaranteed yet. And I think you know some clubs in the Premier League might question whether why they should all chip in £10 million each to help a club in another division that got itself into trouble because it's overspent. And so... I don't think it'll be as simple as that. And I think just ex- just expecting the Premier League to solve all of football's problems for it uh, would be a mistake. And I'd also be concerned that just granting clubs in Leagues 1 and Leagues 2 money in this way without any conditions attached to it would mean that money will probably be swiftly spent and they'll still be in trouble at the end of it. So that's why I think creating a joint fund, rather like we do for grassroots football, which is funded through the Football Foundation, where there's joint contributions from the Premier League, the FA and the government, I think a joint fund administered by this new authority with some public money and some money from football will be the best way forward.
And this is where this plan becomes really exciting for me, who is somebody who since the mid-1980s has been campaigning for proper supporter representation in football, not just the tokenism, as I see it, of fans' parliaments, which generally are just meaningless talking shops in my experience, but proper supporter involvement. So the idea is that the the government-backed loan would go into the club, but that a proportion of the club's share ownership then would be handed over either to a supporters' trust or to the local council, so that the way in which football is run, the way in which football clubs are run, would be radically changed forever, really. I think it would. It, it really would. And I think for, for certainly for clubs... You know, lower down you know, leagues one and league two, this would be could be a great reform, which will make them more financially sustainable, make it less likely we'll see you know clubs like like Berry go to the wall in the future. Um, it gives the chance for the community to have a real stake in their club, and um, I think that's that, that's something that, that I'm pretty sure fans will will welcome. I mean, the frustration a lot of fans have, I think, with some clubs is it's very difficult to get any kind of information about. The finances of the club. Um, it also gives the fans a, a, a real insight into the true finances of the club. So, whilst we always uh, want to, um, you know, fans of the club will always call on the owners to spend more money on new signings in the hope of improving the performance of the club. But if the fans have got a real insight into the finances of the club, they'll know whether that's affordable or not, whether that's sustainable or not. And so, it would change that relationship. And I think that's what um, what football needs. So, how would the FFA, this Football Finance Authority, work? Well, the fund it would be granted money by, by, the, by the government and I think other football bodies as well. I think they should all put some money in to it. It, it would have an independent board that would uh, oversee it. Um, it. Clubs would apply to it for financial assistance. Um, that will, They wouldn't seek to acquire clubs, but to take a stake in a club. So depending on the amount of money that was needed, that would reflect the... Uh, the amount of shareholding that was offered. Um, independent directors could be nominated to serve on the board of the club. They could be nominated by supporters trust or a local authority or, or even by the club itself. The FFA would have to sanction that those people were fit and proper directors and would serve, therefore, representing the interest of this minority stake in the club. And as directors, would uh, would have the right to see real-time financial information, to really know what was going on, they could report back to the FFA and let them know if they thought they had concerns about the way the club was being operated. And we've even said that in extremists, a club in, in the situation could almost go into a form of football administration where the FFA, you know, rather like a, 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 an administrator would do um, now, could appoint people in to manage, to take over the management of the club until the finances have been put back in good order. And, and what this does is it creates an early warning system because when we have situations like we had at Bury. I think what fans always say and say to the Football League is, well, why didn't you intervene sooner? You know, why is it only at the very last minute uh, that something is done to try and put the club right? Well, this would create a mechanism whereby clubs could, um, you know, would, the, the FFA would have the ability to be that body that intervenes and, and make sure the club is trading inside the rules. Um, and then the idea that these these loans that are converted into shares could then be, or that they might be held by the FFA uh, on behalf of, the government and the football authorities, uh, they could then be acquired by a, a recognised supporters trust or by a local authority or some other local organisation that might come forward and have an interest. And again, um, that would be a way for the, the government and the football authorities to recover their investment 
and to make the idea of the communities having a stake in their local club a, a permanent thing. And I think in time we could, you know, we might then move to a model more consistent with what you see in Germany, where the idea of community ownership of clubs is it becomes a norm. And do you know what I think as well? I think that sort of stability might attract better owners into the game as well, because a local businessman wanting to do something to support their, their hometown club uh, might look at this structure and say, well, actually, I'm not taking such a big risk in getting involved in football. You know, I'm getting involved in a business that's got to be run in a certain sort of a way. I could put some of my own money in and enjoy supporting that club in that way. But I'm not worried about you know, losing my shirt on it. And also, I'm not worried about having to compete against other club owners that are spending at an uncontrollable rate and therefore inflating the market for everyone else. Yeah, it seems to me a beautiful idea that you would have financially stricken clubs bailed out with taxpayers' cash, but with this string attached, a very specific string, that ordinary supporters, one way or another, might end up having a say in the running of that club. And the access to real-time financial information, hopefully then ensuring that the club is run on an even keel. At that level, it sounds like a wonderful idea to me, Damien. I suppose my question would be, if other clubs in the Football League haven't borrowed money and are therefore presumably not under the auspices of the Football Finance Authority, then some of the recklessness that we see in football, some of the rogue ownership that we see in the Football League would continue. And there's an issue here whereby the wealth of the Premier League and the overspending of some clubs, particularly at the top of the Championship, drives the market for other clubs. So once you're under the auspices of the Football Finance Authority, effectively, you would be financially cut off, I suspect, from those higher echelons of football. Well, I think it will still depend on the owner of the club, um, but I think the owner of the club would have to, to run, have to demonstrate that they've got a sustainable model for running the club, just as clubs do higher up the football pyramid, um, and say the Premier League, who operate under financial fair play um, uh, rules and regulations. So, you know, the, those, those rules are there for that. Although part of the point of the Football Finance Authority is to acknowledge that those rules are enforced with real laxity. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, and the idea of the FFA is to bring those bring those back under under control. I mean, what we would be doing in the short term is we'd be probably helping the clubs that are in the greatest distress, which will probably be the clubs that have been run in the most cavalier way, you know, depending on what their income stream is. So I think the the first beneficiaries would be the clubs that need the help the most. And there are some there are some clubs, particularly in League One and League Two, that are run in a very sustainable way and that really employ this model themselves already and so I think for clubs like that to be outside of it you know, is less important initially I think what will be interesting is as the idea if the idea you know idea goes forward and takes off and clubs you know come to it you know may, probably out of necessity uh, in, in all honesty um, then I, I think if, if I think what you might see is the league the league saying well actually shouldn't all clubs have this sort of oversight too whether or not they've got a shareholding that's held by the FFA if you know, if, if a majority of clubs are now in a position where they've got to they've got to work in this way, then in this league, shouldn't we make all clubs do the same? And I could easily see a, a tipping point being reached in that way. I think in the in the long term, for, I think for the EFL in particular, having an independent body that did the financial oversight would be a much better system. Whether or not that body's got shareholdings in the clubs, because I think one of the reasons why there is this laxity, you know, as you say, in, in, in the rules, is that ultimately the EFL is it, it is the clubs itself, and it is. The, it is run it has an executive but that executive is appointed by the by the chair chairman of the clubs you know, so 
and they may not want to have um, too many people poking their nose into what's going on in that club and therefore will be resistant to the league trying to regulate them. But if that if the league had devolved that power to an independent body, then that could make the administration of those rules much more effective, um, whether or not a club is a club that's got a, a shareholding with the FFA or not. I know that the government has pledged a significant amount of money to rugby league in recognition of the role that rugby league clubs play in their communities, mostly along the M62 corridor in northern England. Obviously, the scale of finance that Leagues 1 and League 2 would require is significantly greater than it would be for rugby league. But in these times of coronavirus, it would be a relatively small amount of money compared to the the cost of furloughing millions of workers. Workers, which is what's happened at the moment in the country. Do you detect any appetite from government for your idea and to invest this amount of money in saving football clubs? At the moment, I think the government is focused on the idea of the Premier League trying to bail the rest of football out. But the concern I have is that if the, if the Premier League turns around to the government and says, well, we can put some money in, let's say, let's say hypothetically Rick Parry's right and it needs, it'll, it'll take £200 million. What if the Premier League says, well, we'll, we'll, we can do 50 million, but we can't do more than that? Um, We'll give you that. Um, Then where's the rest going to come from? And what this will be driven by, if there's no proper plan, it'll be clubs going to the wall. You know, so we could have five or six, seven clubs like Bury, like uh, and Bolton were last summer. uh, And everyone's saying, what can we do to help? Uh, And I think then it'll only the government will be really in a position to come in and help. And I think in that, in a situation like that, what I'd like to see is a, is a proper scheme in place to provide that financial assistance, but with these strings attached, rather than money just being granted on an ad hoc basis to try and buy buy a club another three or four months to, until the start of the season and fans can start going back into grounds again. So we don't know how long coronavirus lockdown will take. We're being very optimistic at the moment about the decline of the virus uh, and the lifting of restrictions, but that's because the the spread of the virus is declining. But what if there's a second spike? You know, how this could go. We we can't say with any certainty when football will be played as normal again in front of in front of crowds and fans. So I think it does require the government getting involved because you know whilst many of these football clubs have got themselves to blame for the financial status they're in, um, the government has also set the rules that make it impossible for those clubs to earn money at the moment. Um, I've noticed as well today that the um, that the government has told rugby union clubs that they can um, that. They can take their staff out of. Uh, they can keep their staff in furlough whilst they're preparing um, the ground and training players in the anticipation of being able to return to competition. So I think again that's a bit of a financial boost there for them. I mean I think League One for League One to return playing in football, I think that could only happen if there was some way of funding the COVID testing and the cost of taking staff out of, out of furlough as well. So I think we're going to see more of these interventions, and I would rather there was a properly thought through plan in place so people know what the scheme is, know how to access it, know what to do, than this being done in a rush and ad hoc basis. And my uh, my fear at the moment is that, that everyone is gambling on the Premier League solving the problem, but the Premier League don't yet even know whether they've managed to secure all their broadcasting revenue. So they probably don't even themselves know what sort of position they're in to help. One final question, Damien. I noticed that in the letter, which uh, has got as a co-signatory, the chairman or co-owner of Sunderland Football Club, Charlie Methven, and also the chairman of Grimsby Town, as well as a number of uh, MPs. There's reference in there to a Conservative manifesto commitment to a fan-led review 
of the way football is run. I've got to confess, in the hurly-burly of last December's election, that had passed me by. But where has that come from and what's the aim of it? Yeah, so uh, I know um, from talking to the former sports minister, Nigel Adams, um, that the prime minister took a you know, took a close interest in what was going on at Bolton and Berry and was very concerned about it. And I think the manifesto commitment is born out of his interest in it and a desire to see more fan involvement in the way clubs are run. Um, and that's why then that's, that's in the manifesto. Uh, it builds on, as well, I think, a lot of work that the Football Supporters Association have done over a number of years uh, and in raising and discussing this with government as well. So I think that that is a genuine commitment um, and something that the FSA has been working with government on. But I think we're, we're in a position now where coronavirus, is, like it has done with so many other things, has brought the urgency for that forward. And we're in a position now where we may have only a few weeks to put in place a scheme that will stop clubs going bust and save football at a community level in Leagues 1 and Leagues 2 for the future. And, and my concern is if that's not done, then football as we've known it uh, for the last hundred years will look very different in the post-corona world. Damien Collins, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us here on the When Sky Invented Football podcast. In the next regular episode of this podcast coming next Tuesday, I'll discuss some of the ideas that Damien has raised with John Nicholson, my co-host and the author of Can We Have Our Football Back? If you want to comment in the meantime, do join me on Twitter at Goldberg Radio. You can find Damien Collins on Twitter as well. And if you want to drop me an email or if you want to sponsor the podcast, get in touch. It's Goldberg radio at gmail.com thanks very much indeed for listening thank you damien thank you cheers